I'm so excited to be doing tonight's lesson as I got up as getting ready to preach and I look over and there's Emma Weber and she's she's singing and she's just getting so into it. And I just love that enthusiasm and joy that she has. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, particularly the young. We are in uh, on Sunday nights talking about unswerving and how we can have a faith that is unswerving. Our theme verse comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, which you should know by now. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the faith we, to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In the Greek culture, in the culture of Paul and Timothy's day, the most esteemed thing of that time was age, experience, wisdom. Uh, Timothy, depending on who you go by, was probably somewhere in his mid to late 20s or maybe his early 30s. And here's his protege, Paul, writing to him in our verse that we're going to talk about tonight. And he's saying to him, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. That you have some things to offer, and I think there's some good lessons for all of us, no matter what age we are, to take to heart. Personally, this is a battle I've always fought against. See, my birthday was in August, so that meant I was always one of the very youngest in my class. When I graduated from high school, I was 17. When I graduated from college, I was 20. And so... As a consequence of that, I've had to continually battle against my age. I've often heard, you've got to earn the right to be heard. You've just got to wait. You've just got to have patience. You've just got to grow a little bit more. Tonight, Paul addresses this very thing when he talks about faith and how it how it is lived out among those we might consider the young. Now, Paul wasn't addressing the youth group of the day. He was addressing a man probably closer to my age. And he's still saying, hey, don't worry about being young. You still have lots to offer. Now, in, a, in a, our culture, it's exactly the opposite. Our culture has long since left behind revering age and experience. Uh, as you get older and your, your skin starts to get wrinklier and you start to get the gray hairs and your eyesight isn't as good and the body starts to fall apart, uh, that's not something that our culture reveres. You look at any ad, be it on magazine, television, the Internet, or whatever, it, it's all about this section right here. To which Emma said, ooh, ooh. And that's our culture. We value and prize youth, energy. Be young, have fun was a famous Pepsi campaign of several years ago. Let's open our scripture, uh, our Bibles tonight to the scripture at hand, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. This comes from day number 70 of the Northside 90 Days. 
And Paul is writing these letters. I've, I've been through First and Second Timothy several times just as a result of being in the stage I'm in at Northside, trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to make sure I do things correctly. These particular verses have a lot of meaning. Verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So I have broken this lesson down tonight is from two perspectives. One, if you are younger. And Paul's going to address some specific things that young people have to offer, and we're going to define that in just a minute, and that older people can do as well. Okay? But we're going to focus on how we can take the faith of youth and grow it into maturity. First of all, in verses 12 through 14, he starts out by saying to the younger, be devoted to your faith. In other words, and I see all of you filling in your blanks. You must be. You wouldn't be looking on your phones or anything like that. You're filling in those blanks so diligently. But you see, that's, that's just a, like the tip of the iceberg of faith. And this part is such a small part of your life as a Christian and, and your gr- journey with Christ. It's about so much more than just this time. I appreciate what you're doing. The youth group has always been a great example and a role model for many to look at. And part of it is being devoted to the Word. Being devoted, being in the Word, reading the Word, as Paul would tell Timothy here, read it, preach it, teach it. What he's saying here is be in the Word publicly, be in the Word privately, make the Word a part of your daily routine. Growing in the word is the one of the clearest ways to grow in faith. If you want to increase your faith, this, this first and easiest step is simply to read the word, to think about the word, to meditate on it. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says this, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The good news is that we have lots of ways, and now I'm looking not just at this group, but the entire church, for for us to hear. You're doing it tonight in the auditorium. But you can do that online. You can do it through podcasting. I have so many Bible apps on my phone, it's ridiculous. We have so many ways. I can't even imagine the apostles could have imagined In their day, when the word was so rare, I mean, to get a letter, we just turn there, turn to to 1 Timothy, and we'll read it all together. We have to encourage people to open their Bibles. 
Can you imagine? In the first century, it wasn't that way. Boy, if you got a letter from an inspired apostle, there was, I mean, I imagine the whole church just sitting around and listening on the edge of their seats to every single word that Paul would write. Because the word is where faith begins. The word is how faith grows. The word is how our faith is matured. Secondly, use your gift Whatever it is. If you think about this, this, this is the word. Okay? It, the word anyone can be in. Anyone can read that. If, you know, above you know, age five or six, they can read the word. But you alone have a unique voice, a unique perception, and, and an interpretation of that word. I'm not saying it's different for every single person. I'm just saying you have a way of living that out that's unique. Like no one else. And I call that your gift. For example, when the Bible's talking about love or joy or hope or faith, it talks about it in these pages, but, but we all know people who live out love and joy and hope and faith in, in such a way that when we hear the word, we think of them. That's called using your gift. Turn to Romans chapter 12 if you're in your Bibles. Paul writes this. Just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. I was thinking about this. He talks. He goes on to talk about specific, very specific gifts of serving and teaching, encouraging, giving, and leading and showing mercy. And since I'm not too far removed from the youth group, I tried to read Romans chapter 12, and, and here's some of the people that came to my mind. He says, uh, if your gift is serving, now I didn't know them tremendously a long time, but I knew them long enough to know that Katie and Hannah Brooks were tremendously good servants. They were at many service projects. And, they, and it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to the car wash, or okay, we're going to go sing, or okay, we're going to... It was just this joy that exuded on them. They had a wonderful attitude, and they encouraged others in their serving. Okay, Katie and Ham, that's a good way to uh, be an example of service. Use that gift. and But don't just wait like for Mike to organize something, I mean, that's, that, that should be your gift in life. As you grow up and become young women in the church, I hope you look for ways to serve and you keep your attitude that's so beautiful uh, in the church and use it to serve the body, use it to serve the lost, use it to serve. That's what Jesus did. Paul says if your gift is teaching, I know there's several of the young men that do devotionals, and Jacob Deffenbaugh was one that I thought of recently because I know he did a wonderful job. Was it the most recent crush? Is that, was that the correct? It was, no. Yes, no, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he taught a devotional, but he did it like on his birthday. Jacob's a senior in high school, and, and he had this great willingness to lead, to teach, to open the word, to break it open to you. And to let it fall into your lives. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. The gift of encouraging. 
Anna Petersburg was a young lady, is a young lady who uh, would send these uh, Bible scriptures and she would send them via text message. And she did that diligently uh, for a long time. Uh, I don't know who all was in that text group, but I always appreciated a daily word from scripture from Anna. Um, also, I see Lainey down there. Lainey is uh, a tremendously, you can just tell, she just, she is, uh, uh, has the joy of life in her. She, that's why she's sitting by Emma. Um, she's always smiling and encouraging, and she's turning a little red right now. But that kind of joy is what the church needs. And so while you may think it a small thing, some people some people have a hard journey, and just to see a smiling face makes more difference than you might realize. So use your gift of encouragement. The gift of giving, Corbin Pospisil, you may or may not know that the teens adopted an orphan, and they, they pass the bucket every now and again and collect a little money and send it to a, a group called Holt International, which does great work working with, with orphans specifically. And Corbin, uh, and I, I think also Joshua Oakley, um, came back from the very last Winterfest I went to, and they said, we'd like to keep it going. And I said, well, you know, go. <laughs> and they did, you know. And to my understanding, Corbin still, you know, whether or not he gets any collections for that, he still provides for that orphan. What, what is the orphan's name? Does anyone know? Putting you on the spot. Okay, but Corbin, I appreciate his willingness to give, and Joshua too. Leading is a gift, um, and some people have it and use it well. Grant Clothier is a young man that I've always appreciated his uh, humble spirit, but he is a, a person that everyone looks up to and respects. He has a great attitude. He has a willing servant heart. Uh, he's a leader, not just by telling people to, what to do, but in how to live. He's a person I could point to almost any teen and say, you want to know how to follow Christ? Go look at Grant. Go follow what he does. Sidney Dossie and Laura Weber did a, a tremendous thing this last summer when we were sort of in the interim. Mike had been hired, but he was just getting acclimated and everything. And for many years, the girls' intern had been here and, and had organized a girls' Bible study just for them. Between youth ministers, we didn't hire interns. So Sid and Laura took it on themselves to to keep the girls' Bible study going, and they did it. They they came up with uh, a weekly study, and they would have a theme of some sort, as you do with all girls' things, I think. Um, you might be on the Women Walking Conference one of these days, Laura. I don't know. Um, but you you used your gift, and you didn't have to. I mean, that wasn't a thing you had to do. That was something you sat down and said, we should do, and we will. And I appreciate that very much. And finally, the gift of mercy. I'm looking at Emmalyn Edwards. Emmalyn has been a, well, you know, she's had a journey. And I don't know of any more compassionate, sincere person uh, than Emlyn, and she is always willing to help others. Now, I can use those specific examples because I know this group. But all of us in here have a gift. And what Paul's saying is, don't just be devoted to this word, but be the living word and live it out. 
use what the scriptures tell you to do in your daily life. And there's specific areas where we can apply that. So pay attention. Pay attention to the people around you. If you're younger, look to those older than you for examples of faith and how to live out your gift. Remember for Timothy, it was his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Faith started with them. When, when Timothy was not a, a preacher, he, he was just a little boy. He was watching faith in action in his mother and in his grandmother. If you're a mother or grandmother, don't forget. Or if you're a father or grandfather, don't forget the power of your example. It may or may not be your family, but you have someone God has placed in your life to help you along in your journey. In my life, it was... Tom Henry. Tom is a is a guy that I've been friends with for a long time. And Tom would start it out, I would do these Wednesday night talks, and I would, you know, I had a little podium down front, and I'd go up and kind of, you know, do my thing for five or ten minutes. And he would just he would just just absolutely pour out praise. He would just overflow with it, how great it was. There was surely revival in the church coming because of that five or ten minute talk. There wasn't, of course. But I don't think he was being disingenuous. He was saying, I see I see some promise. I want to encourage you. After a time, occasionally I'd get up to the big pulpit and I'd do a talk or a Sunday night sermon or something and and Tom would, would still encourage, but he would fill out his little Toastmasters form and he would tell me, okay, you need to do this or that. You, you need to think about this, you need to think about that. And he would do that every, every time I spoke and it just encouraged me to keep using my gift. You have people like that in your life as well. Secondly, Timothy says, I'm sorry, Paul says to Timothy, be diligent in your life. Verse 15, 16, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. There will be times, whatever your age, when you want to call it quits. When you've just had it. We know and have seen people who have called it quits Paul says don't. Don't give up. Be diligent in the matters of faith. Don't neglect your gift. In fact, give yourself wholly to maturing and growing so that others may see your progress. Why? So they can tell you how great you are? No. Because they need to see you grow so that they can grow. Ever think about that? Your maturity in Christ is affecting someone else. You may not think, we'll go back to the youth group, you may not think that what you do right here matters, but every single Sunday and Wednesday, I sit with a five-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy who watch carefully this section right here. So don't discount the power of your influence, but be diligent in your life. He says, give yourself wholly, uh, fully to Christ. Uh, turn to Romans chapter 12. Therefore, verse 1, 
Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I know there's temptation to do it, and I, I want to direct it to this group, but I, I, it's not just for that group. It's for the whole group, and that's this. Think of it like a line going right down the middle of this room between being with Christ and being in the world. And every day we have to make the decision, which side of the line were we going to be on? And sometimes, maybe more often than we'd like to admit, we prefer to kind of have our feet on both sides of the line. And Paul says, don't do that. Be diligent in your faith. Give yourself wholly to Jesus in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, in your gifts, in your knowledge. Give yourself wholly to that. Now, as you get older, you tend to look back at, at opportunities that you had that you missed. This is why Paul addresses Timothy as a young man, because he wants him to understand there's still time to make a difference, to make an impact. As a person who's a bit farther along than you are, let me encourage you, please, don't waste your youth. Don't squander it. Don't try to live on both sides of the line, but give yourself wholly to Christ. Every single Christian over the age of 30 in here Nodding their head in agreement, because we know what it's like. Secondly, he says, make purposeful progress. <clears throat> Watch your life and your doctrine. Second Peter chapter one, verses five through seven. Second Peter one five through seven says this: For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. To perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Peter's whole point in that section is living faith is growing faith. You ought to practice it and grow in the practicing of it. And finally, don't give up. Don't give up in your faith. But instead, be diligent in it. <clears throat> and if you are past this point in your life and you think all hope is lost and you, you're agonizing over how you've squandered your youth or how you, you wish you could have heard this sermon way back then, fear not. There is still hope for you too. That is doing exactly what Paul is doing. By encouraging someone younger than you. There's an old poem called The Bridge Builder. It goes like this. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a, cha a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fear for him.
But he turned when safe on the other side, and he built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you are wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build this bridge at evening tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said. There followed after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been not to me, to that fair-haired youth, someday a pitfall may be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. I think sometimes we think that because youth is gone, and because that time is gone, we, we have no responsibility I've heard people in the church, in the church, say, well, my time is done. I've done my work. No, 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 no. You don't understand what it means to be the church. Here's Paul in prison writing a letter near the end of his life to a young man who's going to cross a lot of chasms and who needs the years of wisdom and experience and the encouragement of an older fellow traveler. It's so important. It's so important, and perhaps we've missed that. But if you are, if you are older, and, and how I define that is, we're all younger or older here tonight. Younger is simply someone younger than you. Older is something, someone older than you. So we can all do this next thing, and that is always encourage the young. I hope that you're glad when you see teenagers and children and little babies that disrupt things. I hope that you have a smile on your face when there's youth within the church. Because if you don't know, there are many churches that long to have that problem. We may think, well, that would never happen here. Safari is bursting at the seams, team you know, loft and youth group, it's all growing and growing like gangbusters. But that only happens because we value and appreciate youth now. Remember when the, the apostles brought, I'm sorry, not the apostles, People brought their children to see Jesus. And the apostles said, ah, get him out of here. He ain't got time for babysitting. Send him to the youth minister. He can handle that. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, you forget what this is all about. Don't you remember in Scripture how often God used the young it was a 17-year-old Joseph that rescued Israel from famine. It was a young David who ran towards Goliath. It was a boy named Josiah who became king at age 8. And by the way, was a pretty good one. It was a young man named Jeremiah called to be a prophet who only thought of himself as just a kid. 
It was a young, a young virgin girl named Mary who trusted God despite, despite all her questions. It was disciples who were likely in their late teens or early 20s. It was, it was the young. I'm not saying God didn't use the old. Of course he did. <clears throat> but if you're young... You have some natural giftedness. We all have that when we're young. And that is this. I'm not sure this is a, a verse, <laughs> but when you're young, you're fearless. I could say, hey, teens, you know what we're going to do for camp this year? We're going to attack the church building. We're going we're gonna to paint the entire church building bright pink. Now, they've never painted the church building. I mean, they have no idea of the things that could happen. And they don't even care. They mean, yeah, we're going to go paint the church building pink. To which some of the church might say, just a minute. There's this gift of fearlessness. And I, I do miss this about working with teenagers. The fearlessness. Because you don't know what you can't do. There's just no excuses. You just do it. Some guy they hire tells you to go do something. You're like, all right, we'll go do it. And somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, we lose that childlike ability to be fearless and just to trust in your father and just do what he says. And, and so we adults, we come up with, Meetings, and we got to think through everything a thousand different ways and have committees and all sorts of stuff. Only because we're afraid. Only because we really don't want to do, because we really think we can't do it. And we need more faith, like teenagers, to be the church. And if we're not a teenager, we need to be people who encourage the young. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training of the Lord. As, as a father myself, I have to think many times, I need to encourage my children instead of exasperating them. You can look at a lot of studies and see that there's a lot of young people leaving the church. And we need to ask ourselves why that is. Sometimes, I think the simple answer is they're exasperated. We need to think about not how to exasperate, but how to encourage and how to bring out the best and how to point out their gifts and how to keep them going and how to spur them on. And, well, we just need to appreciate that for the gift that it is. We need to walk with them. I put the picture of a dad teaching his son to ride a bike. But that's why we do the things at Northside that we do, like prayer pals. If you're a prayer pal and you haven't diligently prayed for your, your youth, you need to repent and start doing that because you're walking by them spiritually. <clears throat> if you haven't been involved in the great safari that we have, do you understand that there are churches where... If you go to teach a class, you're going to be there for the next 27 years, more or less. 
that at Northside we have a fantastic children's program that is it is world class. And the amazing Norma Banning keeps that all running. And you know what? She doesn't make people stay for 27 years. She asked them to donate six weeks. And there have been people who have been doing it a long time and because they love doing it. And God bless them for doing that. But if you haven't done that in a while, oh, don't you say, well, I did my time. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on. God needs you. God needs all of us to walk with them. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Good, you don't have to be. You can be a guide. You can, you can help write curriculum. You could be a backup person. Norma, I'm going to embarrass you. Go ahead. Stand up, would you please? Because I, 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 know, I know you, but you know, if your heart's been pricked tonight that you need to be more involved with the youth, then go talk to Norma. Publicly repent. No, just privately repent. And go to Norma and say, I'm sorry, and I want to help. Not out of guilt, but because there's a kid who needs to know you. You need to be a Tom Henry. You need to be an encouragement to someone. You'll never know the impact that it will make. Finally, you need to listen. Listen to teens. I remember in youth ministry, I say to teens, I keep saying that, I'm sorry, to the young. One of the best things you can do is James 1.19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. One of our best classes that we ever had at teen camp was Brian and Kathy Middleton's class. It was their discussion class. It wasn't even their formal class. And I had this list of great discussion questions. You talk about if you had gone through these, people would be saying, where is water? I need to be baptized. And no, I'm just kidding. But they didn't use the script. They would just go off on their own like they had experience with this or something. And those kids loved that class. And you know what their approach was? They would say, what questions do you have? And they would ask questions, and there was no dumb question. And they could ask any question they wanted about anything, and they would do their best to point them to the Word. By far and away, most popular class we had over the years. Why? What was the secret? What was the brilliance in that? I don't know if they intended to or not, but it was James 1.19. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to, right, to wrath or to anger. We need to encourage the young, and I hope that this has been encouraging you not to guilt you and not to let you guys off the hook either. Because as I said, anyone young can be just someone younger than you. I hope that you're encouraging those 5 to 11-year-olds in your life and in the church. We have work to do, young and old alike, and we're on the same team. So let us work together to build faith and to grow in faith. Next week, we're going to continue sort of an Easter part two and talk about our hope, the hope, the only hope of man on earth. Tonight, if you have not yet begun your journey with Christ and you would like to begin, I'd like to help you with that. If I can help you in any other way, pray with you and encourage you. Uh, We want to do whatever we can. You're welcome to come. I'll meet you down front as together we stand and sing.